Hello, folks, and welcome to Savory Avery, Episode 7. It is November 23rd, a Tuesday. Hope you're all right. Hope you're good. I'm doing pretty good. Not bad at all. We got a little bit of snow today. It's been a little while since we got some. I think this is the maybe the third or fourth minor, but only snowfall of the of the year so far of the winter time. Barely anything, less than a centimeter, I would say. Very chill. It's gonna be pretty nice the next few days as well. High of like eleven, I believe, like nine, eleven, around there, and. Uh, so definitely going to go skating, without a doubt. I went yesterday, as well as a few days before that, at Southwood, of course. And it was warm enough where like, your hands weren't cold, and you could just wear a sweater, or maybe not even if you were going hard in the paint. So that's nice. We're almost at December. This is unheard of. This is a very warm winter. Both times that I've went to Swid recently since I talked about those tricks I wanted to try, I haven't I haven't even tried them yet, haven't even attempted them. I mean the problem is that the sun sets so early right now, sets at like four thirty or something. The the shortest day of the year I believe is December twenty first or somewhere close to there, so we still got a ways to go. It's gonna get worse. But we're almost there, less than a month then it'll start to get brighter again. But, you know, it only gives me, like, 45 minutes, maybe an hour if I skate, like, into the very darkness, you know, after work. It's not enough to really even get warmed up. So I don't really, I haven't been able to try those tricks. But I'm going to get them. So I ended up bleaching my hair. So that's cool. It's been about two years since I got her done. Feels good, though. It always takes longer than you expect. I'm, I'm really not a fan when it comes to haircuts or doing anything with my hair. I just get really impatient. And even even though like I'm doing it at my house and like my girlfriend's doing it for me, which is awesome, like I still like just wish I didn't have to go through have to go through it. But anyway, got it done and I'm stoked on it. You, you know, you can never get it fully like icy bright blonde on the first go especially when you have brown hair i have light brown hair i guess you could say maybe dark hair somewhere i'm not sure but i've i have brown hair and we used a 20 developer on it which which brings brings the pigment of the hair up two levels or something And we left it on for a little bit longer than they recommended. And then we used the toner afterwards. And I got this purple shampoo and purple conditioner. And it's always the sides and the back. Like usually where the hair is shorter. Where it gets really blonde and really white. And it looks perfect. And then like all of the hair on top of my head. On the top side. It's just. It's yellow. Like it is still blonde. And it's not too far off from what the rest of the hair from what the rest of the hair on my head looks like but yeah it's a little bit blonde and 
I'm worried that because I'm doing this in the winter, you know, usually it would get pretty bleached from the sun. I think it would, I would spend a lot of time outside in the summertime and which is when I would usually do a lot of bleaching and that really helps make it look nice and icy and like just like a cold, like takes all the warmth out of it, gives it a nice, like just straight white. The purple shampoo and the purple conditioner should help over time, but I don't know. But by the time it looks nice and white and all of the yellow has come out, it'll probably be like already pretty well grown out because my hair is really short. So and I'll probably go over it again or something. Maybe even thinking about putting some color in it or something. This time when I bleached it, I wasn't expecting this, but it hurt a lot. I really did a number on my scalp. I mean, I, everything looks okay, I think. I haven't really examined it too much, but it felt like the first time I got it done. Just because it's been so long since I've put bleach on my head, massaged it into my scalp in a while. I think that my I was more sensitive to it, and it really was burning. But I remember after doing it a lot, it felt, not, it felt like nice. It just felt cold, and you didn't feel anything. But it was really burning up my scalp. I had to fight it for a bit, especially when you put a paper bag over your head to keep it nice and hot. It gets even worse. It gets all itchy. It's not fun. I think it's been at least three weeks now, and I still haven't picked up my Yeti water bottle. I haven't texted the guy. I haven't seen him. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he just like didn't have it anymore because it's been so long. And as more time passes, I feel the need to go over there and get it. But it's just a water bottle. I mean, I like it more, but it's just a water bottle. I don't really care that much, no matter how good a water bottle is. It just holds water. There's nothing very impressive or incredibly useful about it if it's a bit colder. I do miss it a little bit, though. Probably going to force myself to drive over there this weekend. But I probably won't. Hello. Hey. Hi. It's been a couple days. Well, you know, today it's November 26th, Friday. I hope you guys had a good three days. Hope you're all good. I went, I was driving around with my girlfriend and I've never pulled up, like, we needed to get gas, and I've never pulled up to, uh, I've never been served before filling up my gas, and my girlfriend was driving, and she never has either, we kind of, we would just rather do it ourselves, like, what's the big deal, but she ends up pulling into this, the wrong aisle, and there's this guy there, and we're like, okay, listen, dude, like, how does this work, like, what's going on right now, and he's like, well, you know, you could do it yourself if you want, but like, I'm right here, I could do everything for you. And I was like, okay. And I literally handed him my credit card and he took my credit card and bought the gas for me. And I was literally like, fuck dude, like, can I really trust this kid to be like holding my credit card right now? Like this fool could just run away. But I guess they have cameras and wants to keep his job. So I was like, it's not a big deal. And it wasn't, I'm pretty sure that he did it properly and it's all good, but yeah, so I forgot my loonie. I walk to almost all of the stations where they hold the shopping carts, checking to see if maybe one of them wasn't connected, where you know 
someone left their loony, but of course no one left their loony in there. Come on. Everyone probably has one loony. Like, who has change anymore? Especially loonies. It's tough. I had one, and... So while we're getting served at this gas bar, this guy is just, like, standing out there in the cold. And honestly, I really, like, enjoyed the service. Like, it was really nice, and I was really satisfied with it. So I tipped him, and I gave him that loony. Then after giving it to him, I was like, fuck, where am I going to get another loony? Then I forgot about it, and then, so I ended up having to just grab a a basket at the superstore, and I had a long list of stuff. So I definitely I was thinking about grabbing two. I should have. I didn't. I just grabbed one, and I was very modest with what I picked out. I didn't need to get everything in there, so I didn't, and you know, got like a twelve pack of eggs instead of thirty, and a one liter of milk instead of two, just because it was getting so heavy. I couldn't carry everything by the end of it. I bought so much damn meat. But, you know, the bill is a little bit cheaper than usual, so maybe it is a good idea to shop like that because I got everything that I needed, basically. and So, it was okay in the end and got a little bit of a workout. But it's awkward and it's tough by the end. Like, when I had to walk out with all of them, I had, like, five bags. They're so heavy. But it worked out. I didn't drop anything. Everything was all good, but I got to find a loony now. And then I went to the weed store, the weed store. After that, I, I've i been like looking for just purple weed because for some reason at all these dispensaries that I go to, none of them have any like purple kush. Anything that's like nice and dark, you know, like grapey, heavy indica, like an Afghan kush or something. Nothing. And then finally today they're like, yeah, here, we got something for you. And I open it. It's not purple at all. Not purple at all. It's a little bit green. It looks dank. It looks good. But I don't understand. Like, they have so many different strains. And they don't have anything purple? Like, are are you serious right now? It was super cheap, though. It's insane how cheap weed is now. I remember going to the dispensaries when they first opened. They barely had any selection. And everything was, like, twice the price that it is now. You know, I I mean, it makes sense as time sets, as time, you know, moves forward with these weed shops opening up. Some of them get weeded out. A lot of them are different now. There's a lot of competition between brands, so the products are a lot better. I remember when I first bought a battery, they only had one one brand, one type. And it was so bad. I, I have newer ones now where they actually have voltage control. You know, I mean, it's not difficult. Just stick a little pot in the bottom of it. You can twist it back and forth. But the the first one that I bought didn't have it because they had such bad selection for basically everything. And when you hit it, it's so harsh. The ones that you can buy now, which are like $5, they work great. They have good battery battery life, slim voltage control. They hit really good. And then I bought an eighth, about like three and a half grams for like, it was like $15. Yeah, it's super warm. It's going to be really nice this whole next week. I'm definitely not going to change my tires. That'll be chill. I've been messing around with my washing machine kind of on and off for the past month trying to take a look at the pump drain, at the drain pump filter. I have a user manual and it explains how to gain access to it, but in the description, like before it uh, says anything, it says this is only for certain models. 
and then it doesn't say how to access it for the other models that it's not uh, talking about. So there's really no explanation, and I can't find anything on the internet. Typically, I'm pretty good at like finding resources like that. I can't find anything. I emailed this warranty uh, technician guy that fixes up my place if anything goes wrong. And uh, I asked him for some help, and he basically gave me nothing. He was like, yeah, I don't know. It's somewhere in the front. So... I thought maybe it was in the back, so my washer and dryer are stacked on top of each other, and it's in a really narrow room, so there's only really about eight inches on both sides, um, like of extra space between them and the wall, and it's not enough to fit back there, so I had to push, pull both of them over to one side, like sort of like jiggle them. They're super heavy. They have like sticky feet, and I managed to like sway them to the side, and then I get behind there, and then I start like looking around, and I undo a couple screws, and I'm like, wait, no, this isn't right. I put him back in. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I end up um, giving up on that, thinking that I'm not right. And I go, I put my washer back, super difficult. And then after thinking about it, I realize that it, the drain pump filter is probably in the same spot that the manual describes. There just isn't that easy access to it. But in order to disassemble it, I need to take I need to take the top piece off. So I need to, the washer is on the bottom. So I need to take the dryer off of the washer in order to basically take the whole enclosure off in order to gain access to it. And that's just way too much of a hassle. It is freaking ridiculous. But if I don't do it eventually, it's most likely going to crap out. I mean, I don't leave stuff in there very often, but I definitely have like left a tissue in there before. And I, I don't know, depending on what you leave in there, it can clog it and then things start to smell nasty and like really nasty sometimes. My parents had problems with their washer. It's like fucking vile. It smells like nothing else, but not in a good way. So I've kind of given up at this point because there's no way that I'm going to be able to remove, like to pull something like that off. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I've kind of just given up. I'm like, fuck it. Like, we'll just see what happens. I'll figure, I'll, I'll fix it if it ever breaks. Oh, well. A couple of episodes ago, I was talking about a Secret Santa gift that I was in, that was in the works. And I explained... Uh, you know, it was like a light bulb, silicon mold. I think I talked about it in the previous episode too. Or maybe I talked about it on Tuesday. I can't even remember. But I said it at some point. It's two weeks overdue now. It hasn't arrived. I'm trying to figure out how to make some sort of claim or how to request a refund. But I'm un- I bought it through Walmart. I'm unable to do it on my mobile. So I go on my computer and I figure out how to get in contact with someone. They end up refunding me. So now it's not coming. They're like, yeah, sorry. It's actually been out of stock for a long time, so no one can ship it. So I got my refund, and it's not a big deal, but it's such a piss-off because the hardest part about the do-yourself Secret Santa is coming up with it. Just like the amount of time thinking, that's the lengthiest process, like for mo- for, for me at least. 
I spend so much time mowing ideas over. I hate everything. I end up doing something that I don't even like. I finally found something dope and I was super excited about it and then it doesn't even get shipped. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful this weekend. Hell yeah, it's Friday. Super stoked. Definitely going to go to Swood both days. Southwood, let's get it. It's still fully dry. It's going to be dry until December. I honestly can't remember a winter where you could still skate and it wasn't freezing cold in December. I am so pleased. I hope this isn't the acts of global warming, but if it is, I have no control over it. I'm just happy that it's warm. Hell yes. So stoked. Maybe I'll bike. I don't know if the bike paths will be fully dry, but... It'd be good to get that in before the winter hits because I highly doubt I'm going to be doing any biking while the winter hits. But I am thinking of maybe getting uh, this device. I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, This piece of exercise gear. Yeah, that's better. Where you basically put your bike on it and then it turns it into uh, an elliptical or whatever it is that you call it. Um, I bet like, I don't know exactly how it works, but I mean, you know, I would assume that it just kind of lifts the back wheel and suspends it in the air and kind of levels you out somehow. So you're not leaning forward. I don't know. Um, that could be good. I don't know. I'm definitely gonna do some thrifting too. Hopefully I can find some more rugs. I'm really hoping to find, like, I kind of want a trampoline. But I know that I'm not going to get one from anyone, so I gotta. I definitely got to find one myself. I don't know how expensive they are, but I'm thinking of maybe just waiting until the spring and then going to garage sales and seeing if I can luck out and find a trampoline. But I don't know. My chances are low. I just feel hopeful because it's happened before this one time when I was, I don't know how old I was, probably like 12, somewhere around there. I was going garage sailing with my sister and my parents. And we went to this one garage sale and there was just a trampoline sitting there and it said free. And my sister and I were literally like on our knees begging our mom to let us have the trampoline. It was literally free. And I think at the time my mom just didn't want to like put up with us in front of a bunch of people. Like there was it was a busy garage sale and we were talking to strangers and so we just took it and we set it up and oh man like the first day that we had it we fucking were on it all day we had all of our friends come over it was a big trampoline party we were all on it together mind you this trampoline had no nets back when i was when i was 12 like the nets and like the no springs were kind of like almost a newer thing i believe you know It was more common to just have like a trampoline with no nets and springs, which is what we got. It was scaring my mom half to death because she was certain that eventually, you know, especially because of how much time we were spending on it and the types of dangerous stuff we were doing, someone's going to get hurt. She didn't want to have to deal with any angry parents or God forbid some, you know, psycho who's trying to sue you because his friend, because his kid fell off of his friend's trampoline. So... We literally had it for two days, and then I just went out. I went out, uh, 
got home from school and you know it's day three but i'm still like excited as fuck like for like this was like a big build-up mentally like I, i'd wanted one for a long time and it didn't seem like we were ever going to get one and then all of a sudden we had one it was like you know i was in like pure ecstasy as a 12 year old and i come home and it's just gone my mom is like in the kitchen and I'm like looking out the window in the kitchen and I'm like, I just like look at her and then she like explains what, what happened. She's like, your auntie took it. It's at your auntie's. She like lives on an acreage somewhere. It's like just in a box because my auntie already had a trampoline. We would always use it when we went there. And I guess my mom was okay with it because if someone got hurt, it's her sister. So, you know, it's no biggie. And I was devastated. You know, with no warning, something that was so important to me at the time was just stripped away from me. And, you know, it's just a trampoline, but it was more than that to me at the time. You know, it was actually like really hard hitting and I was really upset at my mom. And, you know, for years afterwards, I would like bring it up. Of course, you know, eventually it became jokingly, but still, I, it's something that I remember. I'm a fan of garage sailing. It's kind of like thrifting. But you can barter, which is like the best. And also, your chances of finding something like amazing for a great price is way higher. Especially now since, you know, thrifting is fucking value charges up the ass. Savers is just insane now. I found some pretty good stuff at a garage sale. I haven't gone in a while though. I didn't really go much this year. I think I went to like one or two. But they sucked. I never found anything. You know, garage sales are real hit or miss. You know, sometimes you go to one and the person is like really nice and cool and they actually have tons of cool stuff and they're, you know, and then sometimes you like walk in and it's like a crackhead and he has like, he has like five things and it's just like sketchy and no one's around and you're like, okay, I got to go. Is this even a garage sale? Like, what is this? Did I just like break and enter? What's, what's going on? But yeah, like I found uh, I found a lot of clothing that I've resold. I found this fake Gucci sweater. It was really cool. It looked real. And even though it was fake, like regardless, like it was a really cool sweater. And, but I, I sold that. And yeah, I found a few pretty cool things. And But yeah, you, you can get some really good deals sometimes. Like at value, you know, they have people who are like, it's their job doing this. So they understand for the most part uh, where value lies and you know what brands to pay attention to for what types of items but when you have someone at a garage sale this could be someone that just kind of you know did this last minute they don't really care they're just trying to get stuff out of their house you know maybe it's like a, you know the wife is doing it and, and like she's selling like her son's pokemon cards or her husband's golf clubs and really has no idea and she sells them to you for like 15 bucks and you know you kind of feel bad but i mean she was okay with it and you're not going to have to deal with her after the fact. So, you know, it just really depends on how much of a conscience you have. I personally am not good when it comes to bartering. I mean, like it's fun, but it's kind of intimidating. But yeah, I'm going to try to do some actual garage shopping in, in the spring. And You know, it's all about getting up early. You got to you gotta go Saturday mornings. That's, that's when 90% of the cool stuff gets taken, right? So... You got to be up and at him. But yeah, that same older brother I was just talking about for a while, he was garage sailing and literally just buying anything that he thought he could resell and was just selling it on Kijiji. Just anything, video games, lawnmowers, appliances, tools, like whatever, anything, 
and I think that it was pretty profitable for a while. The issue with it is, it takes up so much goddamn time. I mean, making the posts is one thing. That takes a lot of time. But then on top of that, just dealing with people. And this isn't like you're shipping it to them. Like, you have to fucking plan meetups with all these people. Like, there's a lot of time and work that goes into, like, getting rid of a lot of things. So even though it is profitable, it might not necessarily be worth your time. But it is a good side gig to have. I watched the new William Strobeck skate video. I forget what it's called, but it was his newest one. Um, you know, it was like, it was, uh, it was, it was what I expected. It was another William Strobeck video. You know, I think this one was about like, I don't know, between 15 and 20 minutes long. So, you know, there was like a minute and a half of skateboarding. I find myself fast forwarding through the first four minutes of his videos not really a fan of like the fillers, the hijinks, the artsiness. That's the best part, bro. You don't get it. You don't you don't understand the vibe of his videos, okay? You don't understand art. Okay, he makes videos for Supreme. He lives in New York. He knows trends. Hey, I love his videos. His videos are good. I I, th- I thoroughly enjoy them. The skating is amazing. The editing is very good. But they're not they're not the type of videos that I love the way that he makes them. I definitely love the skating in them. It's really good. When it, I don't watch many skate videos anymore. I used to be super into it. But I've definitely developed a taste over time. I'm a fan of watching like a thrasher part. Those are cool. I mean like they post one every day and every single one is completely fucked. Um, I, and I, I, I like that. Like it's really good to just watch a video of like tons of tricks being done back to back and just like having that like constant like thought going on. Like you get a, like a lot of ideas and a lot of inspiration. Like, oh, like I could try that. Or and then like five seconds later, another clip happens and it's like, oh, I could do that. But like frontside maybe or... Yeah, I'm not I'm not as into the skate videos anymore. I used to watch Deli Status. They're really good, but they don't make videos anymore. Ryan Rigsby. Those were good and then, you know, Barracks is classic. I still watch Battle of the Barracks. I used to watch every video that Barracks posted when I was younger for like a few years in a row. And then like all of a sudden I stopped completely, but sometimes it's only recommended on YouTube to Battle of the Barracks, so I'll click on one every once in a while. Those are pretty fun to watch. My favorite videos are the Pyramid Country ones. But, you know, I I can find things to appreciate in every skate video, you know, from everyone, not just these professional, super famous people. I mean, you know, even if I watch, like, an edit of some young kid on Instagram, like, you know, there's a lot of things in it that I can relate to, or there's nostalgia, or something that they did is actually really cool, or... I haven't been seeing, like, as time goes on, I see less and less VX footage. Just just from, like, ge- the general skate scene of people that I follow on Instagram and YouTube, people that I subscribe to on YouTube, a lot less VX. Which, I mean, makes sense as time goes on. There's going to be um, less and less cameras that are working. It's extremely hard to repair them. There are people that know how to repair them. Um, 
But at a certain point, you're going to run out because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, like, technology protection measures, especially on, you know, a Sony camera like that. I mean, you know, like, they, they do have, like, tiny-sized Torx uh, screw heads or maybe they'll have, like, a keyed Allen key or there's tons of crazy ones I don't even know the names of that have weird shapes that are used as a means of security so that people don't tamper with it. But, you know, any jackass can go on Amazon and buy a weird kit of screwdriver heads. But then, you know, you get into types of cables and even components on a board or integrated circuits some of them have special software, you know, encryption or coding. So, you know, you might be able to find an identical integrated chip online or uh, an identical cable. Uh, but if it's not manufactured by Sony, it uh, might not uh, function. It might not like know the code or it just might not work. And, you know, that's really frustrating because, you know, people should have a right to fix their shit, especially on a camera like that you know like it's a low voltage device like it's very it's very uh the odds are very slim that it's going to like physically harm someone you know especially you know if someone's able to properly open and disassemble a camera like that then you know they obviously know what they're doing and they're going to make sure that they're following electrical safety measures things like that yeah, that reminds me, this one time I tried to fix a Sony camera. It wasn't a VX, but it was something around that same time, and it it ran on tapes, but I believe it also had an SD card slot, something like that. And uh, I was filming Street with my buddy a couple years back, and we were trying this trick um, at this church. My friend, you, you like ollie down a four-stair or five-stair, and then like, very shortly afterwards there's like a another like six stair or seven stair and there's this big out ledge and it goes super long and it's super high up not very well waxed so my buddy's trying to get this clip and like this this guy is driving in this white van there's no one there's no one at this church this one guy pulls up to the church one person he's in this white van it's completely filled with like kids like probably his his children or something like that like there's tons of people in there though and he gets out and he starts yelling at us telling us to leave getting in the way my friend who's trying the trick is getting so mad he's like yelling shit at him being like rude like 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 being like deliberately mean and just calling him names and it was so savage we were just kind of laughing like jesus dude like chill like what's going on anyway he he ends up calling the cops the cops come and they're like these two really chill chicks and they're all like whoa you guys are skating that like that's so cool like don't worry about it like don't worry about this guy like it's not a big deal that you guys are skating here they're like like we don't have a problem with it we want to watch and we're like okay awesome so then the cops leave and then that guy leaves and then the guy stays there and then we leave and then the guy leaves and then we come back and then he comes back and finds us and then we run off again. It was crazy. Anyway, during all this, near the end, my friend's camera just completely dies. It just shuts off, won't power on. There wasn't visibly anything wrong with it. He didn't know what the issue was. We were pretty much at the end of the session though, so it wasn't a big deal. We ended up leaving and then some time after that, I don't know, probably months, maybe weeks, my buddy contact or my buddies were, were hanging out again, the, my guy with the camera, and he tells me how uh, he still can't get it fixed. And I, I was going to school for like electronics and I was full of myself and really knew nothing at all and was like, oh, I could probably take a look at it. I mean, I, I should give myself some credit. Like I, I was capable enough to like try to repair a camera, but for some reason, like I was on break from school 
and for some reason I had the inspiration to try to like help my buddy out. It was the gnarliest like work I've ever done on a piece of like electronics like that. I was I was I was able to find a service manual. Well, I wasn't, but my buddy was able to find a service manual. So, you know, that's obviously like completely necessary if you want to have even like a slight chance of troubleshooting. After reading up enough and trying to figure out what the issue was, uh, I, I started disassembling it. This thing was gnarly. There was probably like 15 different circuit boards that were all packed in super tightly together, layered. All of these very, very fragile, uh, difficult to open cables. And there's very few instructions about like specifically like dismantling it or anything like that. There's so many parts. There's probably like 100 screws, like 50 different pieces, so many cables, enclosures, circuit boards. It took me a really long time. In or like in order to gain access to the circuit board, I was like uh, that I suspected it was like the last one that you get to. So I had to completely disassemble it. I finally get to it, and I find a fuse that's uh, broken. I find I'm not like I wasn't able to uh, follow the the circuit theory. Like these were really uh, like they were big circuits with tiny surface mount soldered components but i found this one fuse and i was like this could be the issue odds are there's probably like there could be another fuse that's broken there could be like there could be like any sort of components that have been shorted or fried you couldn't visibly tell you couldn't smell anything but i was like listen this is like a last ditch effort we can try to replace this fuse we managed to find the part online and it's like ten dollars we get it in the mail this fuse okay it's literally like it's like a quarter of a grain of rice maybe it, it like it is so small you can't even you can barely see it and it's surface mount soldering i didn't even have a soldering kit i ended up hitting up one of my other buddies he ended up he was nice enough to you know let me use his soldering kit so i came over and I was able to desolder the fuse and solder it back on and it was literally the most difficult. I've done a lot of soldering. That was the most difficult soldering job I'd ever done. It ended up going smoothly and we did it really quick, but I've never tried to like such a tiny component and the tip was not really that small. We didn't have very many tips for the for the soldering irons. Anyway, we replaced it and then I had to <laughs> I had to reassemble this entire thing. I, I somehow fucking managed to do it properly and it fucking turned on and it worked. So, uh, it was like a big, you know, like it feels good to fix things. Everyone knows that. Uh, and this was like the coolest fix I probably have ever done. And it felt so good that it was, that it had turned on. And, uh, I was so proud of myself, um, that, you know, like all like the, my schooling, you know, like I knew something at least what I learned at school and, it was applicable. But then there was another issue. There was another, so it turned on and it worked now, but there was an error. And it was some zoom error. It had to do with like the zoom lens or something. And it wouldn't let you record and you couldn't zoom. And he was like, hey, could you please take another look at it and see if you could fix it? And I was like, dude, like I literally like can't. Like I, I didn't want to open that thing up again. It was such a hassle. And also like I didn't have much time left before I had to, uh, leave town to go back to school and he was like I'll pay you and I was like sorry dude like I can't I can't do that because odds are like 
there's no way I, I could just figure out what the issue is. Like it was easy fixing the power issue because it, it's quite obvious that it's most likely um, a fuse or some like the circuit is open somehow, like a wire or a cable is pinched or something, right? Now and, and and it was the fuse and I figured that, but but to figure out a random error, like there was no details in the service manual about what that error meant or how to fix the issue. Um, and it could have been a million things. So I was like, sorry. But even though I like semi fixed it, that was like a big win. That was really cool. As like, even that, that old ass camera, like all of the components were com super tiny. Um, and it was very like compact and extremely difficult to work on. Like you would have to, there are definitely more resources. There's probably like another service manual that's like secretive that, um, people used to use to like actually like troubleshoot issues because there was nothing really in there like that. And the one that I had, but now like cameras now are even crazier. Like the circuitry, the, the components are way, way smaller, way more compact, way faster, but way more complex. And you, there's no way of fixing things now, you know, whether it be like cars or maybe, I don't know, probably tractors like phones, um, I mean, anything like appliances, medical devices, stuff like that. You know, like back in the day, things were basic. You could open it up and you could see what was going on. It was really simple. You could fix things now. It's crazy. It's crazy. And even if you are super smart and you could figure stuff like that out, they have like software locks and encryption and, and all of the components have like a special like serial number and like it won't work if the it doesn't it, it doesn't like realize that it's made from the manufacturer and you have to buy licensing sometimes and you know there's so many things that they can do to um, hinder you from being able to you know at a fair price have a third party look at um, something to fix or even yourself getting your hands dirty and figuring it out now you're forced to go back to the manufacturer not only is it cheaper to hire a third party to service whatever you need help with, but on top of that, you know, there's way less downtime instead of having to like potentially like ship something out far away to the manufacturer so that they can repair it for you. Even if it's under warranty, all of that time that it's not being used, if you, if you are, have something that you need fixed that's for a business, then you're losing money just by it being out of where you need it to be. So like there's way less downtime and it's cheaper to have someone close by fix it up for you. But yeah, then they get you with the training and, and then even if you get training, they won't even give you all of the manuals. You know, they still keep certain things under wraps. It sucks, you know, and even with cars, like now with Tesla, you have to go to Tesla. And if you open up anything or do something that you shouldn't have that voids the warranty, they won't even help you fix it. Maybe, I don't know, don't take my word for that, but like that's something that a company would do though. Or they'll say, you know, like back in the day, you know, like technologists or repairmen of all kinds could, you know, buy tiny little cheap parts. They could troubleshoot down to the smallest thing, find what the issue was, and then replace that one thing. You know, and although, you know, it takes more time to troubleshoot to that depth, it's cheaper overall because you um, only need to buy that one tiny part. But now you're not even allowed to do that. P 
the companies will sell you spare parts, but the parts will be giant assemblies with like a hundred different parts, but they sell it as one and you can only buy it like that. And then you have to swap out these huge chunks. So you're replacing a giant chunk of something that you had to pay for in order to replace one little tiny piece of it that's broken. And if you were to, let's say, take that tiny piece off and then replace it with the tiny piece that you got from the assembly you bought, that'll void the warranty too, or they won't be liable because they make their recommendations, you know, revolving around ways that will be most profitable to them. And of course they're putting, everything is also involved around safety, but you know, they, they have multiple things in mind when they're doing this. I mean, I mean, at least that's what I think. What do I know? Nothing. That's nothing. That's all I got. But you should follow me on Instagram at skatebug, S-K-8-Bug, S-K-8-B-U-G. And then check out my uh, Depop or on Instagram, Instagram techie.turtle, Depop techie turtle. And then my YouTube channel, Avery Nozin. I think if you just search up Avery Nozin, it'll come up. I don't know what comes up when you search up Avery Nozin. I don't even want to know. All right, well, uh, have a good week, everyone, and uh, or don't. I don't care.